Welcome to the Smart Planning 101 podcast, episode 25. I'm Nicole Whip, and I'm your host. Stay in control of your future, whether legally, financially, or with your health. Learn the latest strategies and best practices from national experts. Help yourself, help mom and dad make the right decisions. Welcome to Smart Planning 101. Here's Nicole Whip. Smart planners, welcome back to the Smart Planning 101 podcast. Today, I bring back Dave Zampano, who, as promised, is back to discuss the issue of inherited IRAs with us in light of the June 12, 2014 Supreme Court decision in Clark v. Ramaker. Now, if you are a non-lawyer listening to this, this is something that, you know, the fact that the Supreme Court decided this and Clark v. Ramaker and who cares, right? But let me tell you that this is extremely important to you because this has major implications for estate planning. And this is one of those things that people very often have not planned for, yet will want to plan for. And so in this episode, Dave Zampano and I will be discussing why and how to protect inherited IRAs in light of the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States has now said that inherited IRAs are not protected the way your own IRA will be. Now, if you don't know who Dave Zampano is, go back and listen to Smart Planning 101, episode 20, where Dave is introduced and he does an excellent explanation of irrevocable trusts, which is actually important in the context of this conversation as well. Or you can read all about him at smartplanning101.com forward slash 20. Thanks for listening. So welcome back to the Smart Planning 101 podcast, Dave Zampano. Thanks for coming to talk to us again today. It's always good to be with you, Nicole. We discussed at the end of the last time that we talked about coming back, you coming back and discussing the implications of a recent Supreme Court decision that was made on June 12, 2014 in a case called Clark v. Ramaker. And it was a decision related to inherited IRAs. And this is something that a lot of attorneys have been really curious about, of course, but it's something that clients need to understand the importance of. So I wanted to have you talk to us about that decision and why it's important. Okay. Well, uh, I, you know, nothing like being hot off the press, right? It's a couple weeks old, the decision. And, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, they don't even know this is going on. And um, this is the difference between a lawyer with purpose and general lawyers. You know, it's really staying connected to the issues that matter to clients. And nothing matters more to clients, in my experience, than the protection of the assets that they've worked a lifetime to accumulate. And uh, this decision, if I can give you a little bit of introduction to it, um, what it really revolves around is IRAs exclusively. And, And the question at issue was the following. Is an IRA an asset that is safe from creditors and predators? Well, that wasn't the issue in this case. That is well established federal tax law that says if you have an IRA or other qualified account, 401k, 403b, pension, things of that nature, those assets by federal law are not available to be attacked by your creditors and predators. 
And the rationale for that really goes to public policy. Public policy says that we, well, there's two public policies. There's general public policy and then there's tax policy. General public policy says we want to create an environment where people save for their retirement. And so what the federal tax code does to support that is they say, listen, if you go and create an account for retirement, we're going to give you tax advantage status for that account. We know it as an IRA 401k. And what the IRS says is this. If you earn, I'm going to keep it simple, if you earn $30,000 in a year, okay, then you're taxed on $30,000 in that year. But if you earn $30,000 in a year and you contribute $5,000 to an IRA, you know, formerly known as an individual retirement account, then the government only taxes you on $25,000. So they don't tax you on that amount of money that you put into an IRA. Now, that's a tax advantage to support the public policy to make sure that people save for retirement. The government wants to make sure they save for retirement so that they don't become a burden on the government when they reach retirement age. So that's the general rule of law, that IRAs are protected from creditors and predators in bankruptcy. Now, what happened was there was a case in one of the federal district courts, and it really came through a bankruptcy court. So bankruptcy is a federal court, and whenever there's an appeal to a bankruptcy court, it goes to the federal district court. When there's appeal to the federal district court, you go to the court of appeals for that district. So you can have, there's nine districts across the country, so the, the base level federal court is the district court, the appellate court is the court of appeals, and there's only nine courts of appeals, and then there's one court that settles if the courts of appeals don't agree, and that's the U.S. Supreme Court. So in essence, what happened is we have this issue about IRAs, and nobody, nobody challenged that IRAs are safe from creditors and predators. But what happened was when someone dies and they leave their IRA to someone else after they die, it's called an inherited IRA. So if I create an IRA, it's my IRA. But if I die and give it to my kids, my kids have what's called an inherited IRA, otherwise known as a beneficial IRA. Those are synonymous. Now, what happened was the federal bankruptcy court in one of the nine districts said, listen, the bankruptcy judge, not the judge, but the bankruptcy trustee said to the bankruptcy judge, we don't agree. The debtor, the person going through bankruptcy, has listed an asset called an IRA, and they've listed that asset at about $300,000. We want to go after that asset. We believe we can get it. Well, the bankruptcy uh, client's lawyer said, no, no, you're not entitled to get my client's $300,000 because that's an IRA, and federal law protects IRAs from the reach of the bankruptcy court and other creditors and predators. The bankruptcy trustee said to the judge, no, we disagree. We believe, we are very clear that the federal statute protects an IRA for an IRA owner, but not for someone who inherits an IRA from someone else. So there's a distinction. The first thing that's really important for all of your clients to know, their IRAs are still safe. Now, what's what came into question here was not whether an IRA is safe, but whether an inherited IRA 
is safe from creditors and predators. In this fact pattern called Clark v. Remaker, the client that was in bankruptcy court was not the client that created the IRA. It was the client that inherited the IRA from their parent. So, what happened? Well, the federal district court in one district said, the bankruptcy court said that the inherited IRA is protected. Okay? Mm-hmm. And another district court, a different district, they said the inherited IRA is not protected. Okay? So, so now, now nobody knows district. the answer. Well, right. So we had two district courts that had a different answer. So the only way you could solve that is go to the Court of Appeals. So each one of those courts went to the Court of Appeals. The court, the bankruptcy court that said it was protected, the Court of Appeals agreed. The other district court where it said it wasn't protected, the Court of Appeals overturned it and said, yes, it is protected. So now the two courts of appeals agreed there was no more an issue. So we thought the issue was solved. Then there was a third district. It was actually the third district had a case out of Chicago where the bankruptcy court ruled it was protected, but on appeal, the Court of Appeals said it wasn't protected. So now we had two different district courts, two different courts of appeals disagreeing. Now we had one district disagreeing with two other districts, and the other six districts didn't rule. So now we have a problem because we have two courts of appeals that don't agree, and there's only one place to resolve that is you have to go to the Supreme Court, and that's what happened. This case, Clark v. Remaker, was heard before the Supreme Court on March 27th or 25th, somewhere in that time frame of this year. And on June 12th, we got the decision of that case. And what the U.S. Supreme Court settled finally for all courts is that an inherited IRA is not protected from bankruptcy uh, pursuant to the provisions of bankruptcy law. Now, this was a critical decision. Now, while it shocked many in the industry across the country, it shocked lawyers, it shocked financial professionals, it didn't shock us because we've been monitoring this since the beginning, three or four years ago. And we have always taken a position that wears its purpose to be conservative. That is, why risk it if there's, a con- if there's a possibility that it could be concerned that the- an inherited IRA might not be protected? Let's do it in a way that we know it is protected. So we've always taken the position that an inherited IRA is not protected, even though we didn't know. We just assumed the worst-case scenario, and we planned that way. So the bad news was it was a little more planning for our clients. Yeah, we had to jump through one or two more hoops to get a good qualified, to get a good plan in place. But the good news was, in light of the recent U.S. Supreme Court decision, we have a lot of clients that are very, very happy we did that. And that's really the essence of uh, Clark v. Ramaker here, that now what happens is for all of those lawyers that never took the time to get caught up on the law and to understand what was going on, and for all those financial advisors that tended to take the quick and easy solution for clients, they are now forced to go back and re-examine how they do this planning. Now, we're not. We're going to continue to plan the way we always have because the U.S. Supreme Court validated our form of planning. 
And that's really what I want to maybe touch a little bit about on this call today is really to understand for those listening, what is this type of planning? What does it mean? Yes, I think that that is an excellent point, Dave, because there are, like you said at the very beginning, there are a lot of people that even to this minute have no idea what we're talking about right now. And so it's one of those things that if it's important to you, if you're the client and it's important to you that your money is protected even after your death, this is something that you need to hear and you need to understand that this is an option, but you may have to pursue the option. You know, that's a great way to say it, Nicole. You, you expressed it very, very well. If, the big question is, if you care. If the client cares about what happens to their money after they die. Some clients say, well, I don't care. Let my kids worry about it. There's one, which is okay. You're free to do that. But what we want to explain to those clients is before you just run off to that conclusion, that you understand the options, and you understand what's at risk. Because the truth is, in this fact pattern, if the client does not address this, it is not something the kid can yes. at this point in time. Yes. So it, it's, a, it's a scenario where we say, well, I don't care what the kids do. Well, I understand you don't care what the kids do, but do you want to give your money to your kids in a way that other people can take it from them, divorce, lawsuits, nursing homes, or do you want to be able to give your assets to your loved ones, your children or loved ones, in a way that they can access it whenever they want, but nobody else can? That's the question we're talking about in the rest of this communication you and I are having today. If people don't care about that, they can hang up now. But if they do care about how to protect their assets for their loved ones, now this what's beautiful about what I'm going to share with you is it applies to all assets, but now there was a presumption that did not apply to IRAs, now we know it does apply to inherited IRAs. And, and if the client themselves do not proactively plan to protect the IRA after their death for their children, their children will inherit the IRA, but it will not be in a protected format. It will be subject to the kids' creditors, creditors, lawsuits, nursing homes, or any other liabilities they may have. Dave, can I just say that what you just said, I actually want to repeat what you just said, but sort of in the way that I explain it to people, just because I think it's so important that it needs to be said more than once. And that is, you know, so what Dave is saying is just because you want to let your kids have control of the money afterward and you say, oh, I'm going to let them handle it. Yes, we, we understand that that's what you want and that you're not trying to necessarily control them. That's not the point of this. The point of this is, is that they, the kids, don't have any control over what's going to happen to your money after your death if you don't engage in this type of planning. Is that a correct statement from your perspective, Dave? Well, I, uh, Nicole, spot on, and, and I illustrate all that this way. Our goal is not to control from the grave. Our goal is to protect from the grave. And if that's a goal they have, then they need to participate in this conversation. Excellent. I agree 100%, yep. of course. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so what does it mean? Well, well here's what it means. In a nutshell... There's, there's two questions we have to address in our, in our remaining time together. The first question we have to address is, so how do we protect it if we haven't died yet? 
And then the second question is, how do we protect it if it's already been inherited from mom or dad and they didn't do this? Okay. So, yeah, I think these are our two yep. questions in front of us. So, so let's address the first one. Let's address uh, how we protect it when, when you're healthy and you've created this IRA. Well, what we have done traditionally for years in the planning strategy of clients who want to protect their assets is after they pass away, we never, ever give the assets to the client's family or children uh, or beneficiaries. We give it to a trust for the client's family, children, or beneficiaries, and then we put that child, family member, or beneficiary in control of that trust. And I'm not going to get into all those details. Nicole, as a lawyer with purpose attorney, you, you deliver the two-hour workshops to really distinguish what, what the difference is between control and access. So I'm going to just presume clients understand, and if not, I'm going to encourage them to attend a local workshop uh, that will get, get them very clear on that. But essentially, here's what it says, that if I have a dollar and I want to leave it to my son, I can leave it to my son one of two ways. And by the way, son, daughter, neighbor, dog catcher, whoever you want to leave it to. I can leave it to my son where he can get at it whenever he wants, and so can all of his creditors and predators. Or I can leave it to my son in a way where he can get at it whenever he wants, but none of his creditors and predators can. And creditors and predators include a spouse and divorce, you know, a lawsuit, a nursing home, or other general predator. So given that scenario, and again, we don't have the context of how that works on this call, but they can attend the workshop to understand that. But on this call, what we can set up is this, that if I can show you what it is, is the creation of a trust, and when you pass, you leave your IRA to a trust for the benefit of whoever you want, and you could put that person in control of it if you want. Now, if, if you do have someone you want to leave it to, but you don't trust their ability to manage money, you can still leave the money to that person, but put the control in someone else's hand. That's the beauty of trust, is you can really set them up any way you want. As we say in Lawyers of Purpose, a trust is your rule book. You get to decide how it works for you and for the beneficiaries you're leaving it to. So in essence, what we're doing, the prem properly, the proper beneficiary designation on your IRA should be your trust. Now, pause, because a lot of people panic when they hear that. Many people will say, oh, you make a trust of beneficiary, it's all going to become taxable when you die. That's not true. It can all become taxable when you die if you do the trust improperly. There's four key tests that have to be met to make sure you don't violate those tax rules, which would make it all taxable. I'm not going to go through those rules. I go through that when I'm talking to the lawyers. Now, when, you, when you've got a lawyer that understands what they're doing, that's never an issue. So the client inherits it in a trust. It does not cause taxation. In fact, the IRS uses the beneficiary of the trust as a measuring life and, and, and calculation of the payout of the IRA. They don't use the trust as the beneficiary. They use the beneficiary of the trust as the beneficiary of the IRA. So they, it's called a see-through trust. They, they look through the trust, and they look to see who the beneficiary of the trust is, and that's who they use as the beneficiary of the IRA, even though the beneficiary doesn't own it. So the trust will own it, which means the trust controls it, which means the trust can protect it. But the IRS will use the beneficiary of the trust for all the necessary calculations to make sure it doesn't create any adverse tax consequences to the beneficiary. 
And that's the beauty of the two worlds when they come together. Because now we can have asset protection, and we can have um, client control, meaning the beneficiary can control or not, you know, depending upon the client's goals. So, Dave, I think that um, there's two things that I'd just like to point out and have you address this a little bit, which is, first of all, there are a lot of people that don't understand how this works, and this includes both attorneys that do estate planning and financial advisors. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And and I want to be respectful to say they don't even know to be aware of it. I mean, it's one thing that they don't even know how to do it. It's another thing most of them don't even know they should know. And that's what makes it so problematic. Yes. And and I'm going to give you a quick example, Nicole, that will go right into that second scenario I talked about. Well, what if somebody already gave it to their kids? So I did this plan for a client about two years ago. And I work, she was a widow, she had a son and a daughter, and we worked over four months to get her estate plan together, and part of her plan had an, a substantial IRA. It was greater than a half a million dollars. So we recommended as part of the planning that the beneficiary of the IRA should be the trust to make sure that the kids inherit the IRA in the trust so that it's protected. We went through all of this planning Everybody kind of got along, we got through it, and we were fine. A year goes by, mom dies. So this is about six months ago. Mom dies, and the kids come back to us, and we say, okay, kids, now we're ready to implement that second part of the plan. We implemented the first part when mom was alive on all of our other assets, but now the IRAs we have to implement now at death because we couldn't put mom's IRAs in trust while she was alive. We can only put them in when she died. So the kids will go, why do we have to do this? We said, well, again, for the asset protection reasons. Well, at this point in time, mom wasn't there anymore to keep everybody kind of on the same page. And the kids started to get different opinions from different people. And here's the funny part, Nicole. Three different lawyers and two different financial advisors said to my clients that I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, they went so far as to accuse me of creating extra work so that I could charge them extra fees on a trust. Now, I'm many things in life, but I'm too busy to create work, and I took this personally. So I got the clients on the phone, and I said, listen, you've had other professionals tell you that I did this for these reasons, and you're frustrated, and you think I took advantage of you. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to offer your money back because we didn't do anything wrong. In fact, I think you're going in the wrong direction by not following the plan we created. And I reiterated, I said, the law is unsettled. There's a Supreme Court decision pending, I told them. We don't know which way it's going to come down. We erred on the side of caution, and we told you this when we designed it. We were erring on the side of caution, and we all agreed. I said, so the bad news is, well, I said the good news is, the way we designed the plan, we allowed you to blow it up. So we allowed you not to have to make the decision when mom was alive. We allowed you to defer all the decisions because of the way we structured it so that you could be having this decision now after mom's passing. The bad news is you're making the wrong decision, we believe. You're making a decision to undo all the planning we did and inherit the IRAs directly. And you're making that decision because you say 
three other lawyers and two financial professionals have told you that we don't know what we're talking about. And I will not take that from them or anyone else, and I challenge you to get all of them in a room, and I will go through it with them, and then we will see how they defend what I have to say about why we're doing it this way. Well, no, 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 I don't want to do all that. I'm just hiring them, and they're going to do it, and it's a lot less money, quote-unquote, than the words that came out of the client's mouth. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, it's a lot less money. It'd be a lot less money if we did that for you, too. We set up so that it could be done. We don't think it's the right decision. We think you should keep it in the trust, he said. Well, to make a long story short, they told us to pound salt, and they went their merry way. Three months later, this decision came down. And what I know now is I've got to send them a letter and say, listen, you didn't follow my planning, and as a result now, the half a million dollar IRA that you inherited from your mother is no longer protected, and it is now available to all of your creditors and predators. Had you followed the model that we created with your mother, and had you not listened to all the other quote-unquote experts, your asset would have been fully protected and not be able to be reached by anyone but you. And this is the problem, Nicole, that we, we're dealing with lawyers who don't know a lot sometimes, and they think the way they create value for their clients is to help save them a dime on a legal fee. The real question should never be how much something costs. It should be what do you get for what you pay. So they did save a lot of money by not putting it into the trust. Not much. They saved about eight or $9,000. That was the, the fee to kind of convert it at that point in time and do all the other work associated. But now what's the cost to them? The cost is they have a half a million dollars that it's unprotected and, and no way to protect it. And that's the next question that we don't know from the Supreme Court decision is, is there a way now to protect those monies that have already been inherited by children? And we believe there is. We believe the IPUG Protection Trust, now that the IRS has ruled that an inherited IRA is not a retirement account, and that's the key word, they said it's not a retirement account for purposes of the bankruptcy code. Now the question is, is it a retirement account for purposes of the IRS? Because now that the Supreme Court has ruled this, we can make a very solid argument that says, okay, we, the Supreme Court decision is really clear. If you inherit an IRA, it's just a regular asset that has no restrictions on it, none. No restrictions on it, just like any other account. But what's different about an inherited IRA is whenever you take money out of it, you've got to pay the tax man because the tax has never been paid. So while the Supreme Court decision was very clear that it was a, not an asset for purposes of a retirement account, it didn't make any comment or address any issues regarding the tax code, and nor do we think it should. But the question now is, does that mean that someone who has an IRA could protect it in an IPUG protection trust just like they do if they have a regular bank account? We believe the answer is yes. Again, most other lawyers aren't even having this conversation right now because they, they, they don't even know the issue to begin with. But again, as attorneys in the Lawyer of Purpose Network, we're all working together, and, and I'm going to be working with the IRS to determine their position uh, on this because obviously we don't want to irritate the IRS, right? So can I say unequivocally that we can? No. I could say unequivocally that if they did the planning the way we set it up, yes, it would be protected and safe. 
But now that they did not protect it, they unprotected it and inherited the IRA directly, now we have to go on a new journey to determine how the tax law would coordinate with the legal law and the bankruptcy law um, to protect those assets now that the children already own them. So that's an unknown answer right now, but we have some very strong reasons why we believe it can be protected. But again, we got to stay engaged in that conversation and not try and pontificate, but rather try and strategize the solutions to protect our clients. And this is such a great illustration, in my opinion, Dave, of why, um, you know, you can't take what has been considered conventional wisdom and based every decision that you ever make on it, because oftentimes what we view as conventional wisdom really doesn't work in today's legal and regulatory environment. And if you really want to have certain outcomes and achieve certain goals, you need to really understand these options. And this right here is just a prime example of that. Wouldn't you agree? I love your word conventional wisdom. You know what I call it sometimes? You know what happens? Here's what happens with people. It starts off with, well, you can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? Well, provision 123 of XYZ code says if you do that, it's going to create this result. We say, wow, that wouldn't be a very good result, so we shouldn't do that. So we as lawyers say, okay, we know we shouldn't do that. An example would be you can't name a, a trust a beneficiary of an IRA because if you name a beneficiary, if you name a trust a beneficiary of an IRA, it's a non-human beneficiary, and as a non-human beneficiary, it triggers Code Section XYZ, which makes the whole IRA taxable within five years of death. Absolutely. There's absolutely that provision that says so. But then when people hear that, they're only hearing it from the source that said it, who many times has a vested interest in that solution. So when people say that, I say, well, yes, but there's another provision that says if you do name it to a trust, if you meet these four criteria, then it won't make it taxable. So what happens is you have somebody that heard the first part of the law, but they never heard the second part of the law, and so it really becomes what we call tribal knowledge. And nobody really understands why they're doing it. So what happens is so many times professionals start just relying on the way it's always been done, and they don't really understand why it's been done that way, to know that when there's been a change, that it could change the way we do it. And that's where conventional wisdom sometimes comes back and bites people, because they just continually do what was always been done. And as a result, they don't know why it's being done that way. They just know it's always been done that way. And then when somebody like us comes around and says, guys, you don't have to do it that way, that only related to this fact pattern. We have a different fact pattern, and the law very clearly allows it in this fact pattern. So what you have to do is just create your clients so they can meet the conditions of this fact pattern instead of that fact pattern. And now what you get is you get informed lawyers who say, oh, that's easy. We can just do A, B, and C. And then you get the conventional lawyers that always did what they've always done, but they never understood why, and all they knew is you don't do that. And then you have what's called conventional wisdom. But it's not good. It's not, it's not timely. It doesn't stay current with the laws and rules. So, again, the question isn't what you always have to do is ask, well, why can't I? Why would one person say I can and one person say I couldn't? Instead of telling me that the other person say I just can't, why wouldn't we ask the other person what they're relying on to allow us to do it? Because obviously they believe they can do it. Why is it? And that's what we've got to constantly remind ourselves not to get in the habitual patterns of, 
what I call legal laziness. We get lazy and comfortable with the way things have always been done. But the laws have changed so much over the last 10 years, Nicole. Anyone that hasn't been keeping up to speed on them on all levels um, really is doing a disservice to themselves and to their clients. And this is both attorneys and financial professionals, right, Dave? Because, I mean, just I think that just as much as I get pushback from other attorneys, I certainly also get a lot of pushback from financial professionals that also say the exact same things to me. Well, you can't do that. And well, they're experts in conventional wisdom, right, right? Right, And so there's one other group, CPAs. I mean, CPAs are tough not to crack. Talk about a book. Now, listen, I'm an attorney and a CPA, so I'm not speaking ill of CPAs. I'm saying CPAs are trained and they're entrenched in what they know for the tax law. The challenge is the tax law is no longer the tail wagging the dog. I find CPAs doing planning, estate tax planning, for people that don't even qualify for estate tax. They don't even have an estate that's going to trigger an estate tax, yet they're so routinely planning that way, they don't even pay attention that one client's different than the other. So it's all professionals, you know, it's, it's CPAs, it's financial advisors, it's lawyers. We all have to work together, not attack each other. We've got to work together and say, look, here's what I know. Let me share it with you. Don't attack me. You don't even know me. These three other lawyers convinced this client to unprotect a half a million dollars. And 99% of the work was done. It was all set up and ready for them. All they had to do was turn the key after mom died and finish the plan. And all the rest was protected, but the half a million of IRA is not protected now because of the, quote-unquote, conventional wisdom of these other lawyers. And so we have to just always keep our eye and ears open to when somebody's saying something different. Now, how do they know we're not lunatics? Well, we've been doing this for 10 years. If we were lunatics, we would have been caught by now, right? <laughs> but, but the bottom line is we're not relying on emotion to support our positions. We have, I have a law review article this morning. We have full legal strategies that are expounded by very concrete laws that support those positions. And we have 10 or 15 years of not only doing it in my firm, but in the hundreds of firms that follow our philosophies here at Lawyers of Purpose. So it's just a mindset, but it's also got to have a little bit of stamina behind it. You got to have the legal support that justifies those positions. And that's what we do in the organization. We all work together to make sure um, that 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 we, we, we meet those conditions. Absolutely. And so the point here, too, is like, if you're listening to this, and this is the kind of planning that you would like to engage in, and you're hearing this conventional wisdom, and you want to understand the other side, then you want to contact an attorney that understands this. Where do you find people like that? You can, of course, contact my office, but this is a national audience. So we're not just looking at talking to me because I'm not and Dave, uh, we aren't licensed to practice law in every state in this country. And so you would, I'll, I'll put the links on into the show notes for this episode, but you can, of course, contact my office and I can help you get to the right place, or you can always contact Lawyers with Purpose, but I will put the links for that in the show notes of this episode. Well, thank you, Nicole. It's always good. I appreciate the public service you're doing uh, in these open forums to get these very, very complicated issues down to bite-sized pieces for people to understand. And if by chance you're a lawyer listening to this call or a financial advisor or a CPA, please don't take offense to what we're saying, but rather embrace, embrace knowledge and embrace 
the way that we can do this to support our clients, because in the end, it's really about the client. It's really not about us. I don't have any vested interest. I can care less how clients protect their assets or if they don't protect their assets. But if they do hire me to be that person to protect their assets, I at least should be aware of all the most state-of-the-art ways to do it and all the big issues. And this one from the Supreme Court and Clark v. Remaker just coming down on July 12, 2014, uh, you know, is a very, very important note. Again, not new to us, but because it's so new um, to the rest of the world, you know, we felt they at least come out and do a quick presentation to help people understand it. Right, and there's really nothing to be offended about either in the respect that this is an opportunity for an attorney and or a financial professional to become a greater value to the clients that they serve. It's a opportunity to gain knowledge that's not readily available to people and to be the go-to person on this topic. So there's nothing to be offended about you. This is an opportunity to actually be a greater value, right, Dave? Absolutely. It's about, and it's not about having the answer. It's about having options and being able to counsel the client into the option that best supports their goals and objectives. So this has been so Great, Dave. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people shocked about this conversation. And yet, I think that from just what the conversations I've had with different uh, financial professionals and clients at this point, they're just so grateful to know that they do have options in this and that there is a way for them to protect the money that they work their whole life for. Because at the end of the day, for some people, that is just the most important thing. Yeah, you know, that's so true. And I would add one other point, Nicole, for those um, lawyers or financial professionals or CPAs who are unsure, um, I did host a nationally recorded live one-hour CLE uh, that walks through all the legal provisions and all the legal elements of these areas um, that is available to any uh, professional. If they contact us, we'll be happy to give them the link for the one-hour recording that kind of outlines and brings them through the legal analysis associated with this type of law. And, and, you know, like I said, we do that complementary because we want the folks, the people, the end user to be protected. And the more people that know how it works, the more people can be protected. Yes, and I actually, Dave, I did get a chance to attend that myself, and it was excellent, and just the much more detail from the legal technical side, which is in just essential for somebody that's actually yeah, planning. Yeah, clients don't want to listen to that, but they're financial <laughs> professionals. Yeah. And well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, Some of your clients will want to listen to it because they want to learn everything, but it's really designed for a professional audience where we go through the, uh, right. the legal... My engineer clients most certainly will want to listen to it, of which I personally have many because I'm in Motown um, engineer car land. So we have lots of engineers in this area, but um, most certainly not everybody is like that. So it just depends on your level of tolerance of that. But like Dave said, it's available to get all the nitty gritty details. You just have to access that. And like I said, I will put the links to get that information in the show notes for this episode. So please feel free to access it in that way. Right, Dave? That's something that we can do. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much, Dave Zampano. Thank you, Nicole. This concludes my interview with Dave Zampano and the critical importance of protecting inherited IRAs, if that's something that you wish to do. 
it's really a great resource to know that this is available and that even that this is an issue because this is something that you probably didn't know about before. And that's sort of what we're trying to do is bring that kind of value to you about the things that we don't know about that we might want to know about and that we might want to protect. So once again, I hope that this was valuable and I hope that you learned something good today. Please feel free to leave any comments or questions. And um, if appropriate, we will definitely try to get them answered for you. I'm looking always to provide the best information regarding planning techniques to you. To access the resources discussed in this episode, please visit smartplanning101.com forward slash 25. And the links to all the resources will be embedded in there. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Now that you're starting to get the knowledge you need to make better planning decisions, don't let your journey stop there. Nicole's incredible guide, Five Tools You Need to Be Truly in Control of Your Future, includes smart planning options and worksheets you can gain access to right now. And the best part is you can download it for free by going to smartplanning101.com tools right now. Time is flying by, so don't wait another day to download this must-have guide And we'll see you next time on the Smart Planning 101 podcast. The information contained within this podcast does not constitute legal or financial advice. It's for general informational purposes only. For advice specific to your situation, consult with your legal or financial professional.